Welcome back to Can't Take It With You. This episode, we're cutting right to the chase. I spoke directly with two foundations who have started COVID-19 emergency response grants. So my name is Cynthia J. Zapata. My pronouns are she and they. And I work at the Women's Foundation of Minnesota um, as a community impact manager. And the Women's Foundation of Minnesota is a statewide community foundation. And our mission is to advance gender and racial equity in the state of Minnesota. So as a community foundation, we don't have an endowment uh, that is just from one person, right? Uh, we build our endowment and all of our funding uh, through different community members. So all the grant money that we grant out, we fundraise. Um, so that's something that's really important and a distinction between like us and like a other private foundation. Like so many people I talked to, Cynthia could remember when COVID-19 changed everything. Someone in Cynthia's house stepped into the shower as we were speaking. So you'll hear a fan in the background of her audio. And I remember that that Friday, I was actually supposed to take that week off. I took everything of mine home. I took all of my files. I took like my computer because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to be working from home. I need everything. Um, And what happened afterward is we knew we had to establish a response fund and we did have a community kind of a community response fund beforehand, but that one was more so invitation. We would meet with community members, see what the needs were, and then fund um, according to that. This COVID response fund was different. Um, This is half a million dollars that we are also fundraising and also taking money out of our uh, endowment from our reserves to to have this money. Um, And the bigger thing with it is um, we... We have to be strategic and focused, right? Two mil- like half a million dollars is not a lot of money, right? Um, it just isn't. And the community foundation, like our community foundation also doesn't grant out a lot um, versus like other foundations either. So when we grant out, we're looking specifically for organizations that are working with women and girls in specific areas. Um, but we received 57 grants in the first grant round cycle, right? Um, there is way more need than money that we have. And it is really emotionally taxing to read applications that come in knowing that they need that help, uh, understanding that it is really normal for a lot of nonprofits to have maybe just one month of like operating reserves, if at all, right, to continue going. Um, very seriously, right? Like in January, if you told me that we would be working from home from March until May, I'd be like, that sounds unrealistic. And if you told me that we would be granting out half a million dollars in three cycles, I'd be like, I don't know how we're going to do that. But we have had to be nimble and adjust, which is something that I really appreciate about the foundation. Um, But it has been probably the most difficult rounds of grants that I've ever had to like read and assist people with because how do you tell someone right that I'm really sorry we can't fund your your daycare for critical responsors because we have to because there are other like more direct service or you know communities how do you justify that one community needs it more than another right um and that that doesn't always feel great 
Um, but we also just realized that this is how we're funding and realizing that like we're trying to be as strategic with our fundraising as possible. Strategic. That's something I heard a lot. Did you? The reason that we grant out the way that we do is, again, we have a smaller pool of funding. So we have to be incredibly strategic with the kind of impact that we want to make. Personally, like I think as someone who's been working in nonprofits, what has been frustrating is that we, so many organizations, and you can read it in the grants that they send in. Personally, like I think as someone who's been working in nonprofits, what has been frustrating is that we, so many organizations, and you can read it in the grants that they send in, ask for the bare minimum, right? And they ask for, uh, when they could ask for 10000 they ask for like, they do their numbers and they give us like $6,587.20 or whatever. And it's like, no, like the work that you're doing is worth $10,000, right? Like we have led nonprofits to live in the scarcity mindset and like to believe that this money isn't out there. And like when you look at like where the money is, it's not really in philanthropy, it's in like state and federal funding. But like how do we get that money to the organizations that need it the most is a bigger question. Philanthropy has the bandwidth to some extent to influence that. The Women's Foundation of Minnesota has very specific and targeted goals for their funding. But what about larger organizations with a little more runway? I spoke with Dr. Helene Gale, the president and CEO of the Chicago Community Trust, which is making headlines right now for its Chicago COVID Emergency Response Fund. I experienced some technical difficulties while speaking with Dr. Gale. You'll hear that in the audio. But I still felt it was important to include her perspective. Yeah, so, um, you know, as this started to unfold, um, both myself and, and my partner, uh, my colleague at the United Way, kind of called each other and said, you know, why don't we join forces and mount um, a response fund? And, you know, in some ways, some of the parts of the country that had already been affected, particularly Seattle, had developed this model where United Ways and community foundations had come together. And so, um, you know, taking a page from our colleagues, we recognized that our joint or our two organizations had complementary strengths and that we would be able to use each other's um, organizations to really quickly mount a response that could make a difference. I asked Dr. Gale, what's special about this partnership? And I also think, you know, for organizations like ours that are continuing on our other mission, to be able to draw on each other's staff and put together a team that is specifically designated to this has been really helpful. And so when I think about what we do complementary, you know, both of us are large citywide civic players, but the United Way tends to have uh, greater strength with the commercial and private sector because they a lot of donations to the United Way come from United Way campaigns in corporations and businesses. Uh, we, on the other hand, have a large individual donor base because we have large individuals who contribute to fund, to develop funds, donor advised funds with the community trust. And then we have the outreach to our peer um, foundation colleagues as well. So when, you, when we think about 
where we could raise dollars. You know, United Way brought its strength with the business community. We brought our strength with individual donors and other foundations. And United Way also, because it has developed campaigns, already had a platform that was easy to um, crank up as a way of donation. United Way also um, gets a lot of individual contributions. And so again, in this, while our biggest dollars have come from foundations and corporations, we have gotten thousands of small from donors everywhere from $10 to you know $20 to $50, people who just wanna feel like they're doing something for their community. So we brought those, those different strengths together, but we have a team that is working together in a very seamless way. So it's been an incredible partnership. We couldn't have done it on our own. United Way couldn't have done it on its own. But I think as a result of this, we've created something that is a real, um, has really been able to make a big difference in a short amount of time. As of May 12th, the Chicago COVID-19 Response Fund has raised more than $30 million and given away $18.3 million. I asked Dr. Gale about what she thought was the most innovative programming coming out of this crisis. I thought she would talk about philanthropy programs, but most of her answers were about federal policies payroll and uninsurance protection, particularly the fact that we're, you know, providing payments and, and uninsurance for gig economy workers or people who don't have, you know, traditional jobs. You know, uh, I think all of those things that look at these kinds of innovations that we're doing during this emergency phase gives us an opportunity to look at what does it mean to be able to give people much uh, greater protection as workers I even pressed her, well, what about foundations? Should they be stepping up in this way? Well, again, I think the, the role of philanthropy is to look at the examples and be able to show what worked and what didn't work. Philanthropy could never afford, you know, even the largest foundations in the world couldn't keep that kind of, uh, you know, these kinds of things going. These need to be public policy changes so that, our tax dollars, which are a renewable source of income, allows us to put some of these things in place uh, from a public policy level. But philanthropy can catalyze, can help to demonstrate what works. And then those things hopefully can be examples that can um, be put enshrined in public policy. So we've got giving through skimming off the top of philanthropic endowments or from rallying communities to chip into a grant-making pool. But in this time of intense need from so many communities, an alternative form of giving has catapulted into the spotlight. It's called mutual aid, and that's next time on Can't Take It With You.